The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Ferroz and I'm joined by Katie Balls and we have our special guest Stephen Bush here today. Very special. Thanks very much for having me guys. Cleverly was in the comments today to talk about the Israel-Palestine conflict and there were signs of a split in Parliament. Stephen, what was that about? Right. Essentially what we're seeing in the United Kingdom and in Parliament is what we're seeing um, European politics. Right? Uh, on the 7th of October, of course, you have a horrific terror attack, a worse per capita terror attack than 9-11. And essentially, if you are in government in Europe, you are essentially you are following the, the Biden playbook, which is essentially to turn up and go, we completely hear you. We understand that this awful thing has happened to you. We back you to the end of the line. However, it seems that your solution to this problem is quite mad and won't work. So if you could maybe not do that, is it, yeah, that is essentially you know, the message that Rishi Sunak was delivering in private, the message that Joe Biden was delivering in private, the message that Olaf Scholz was delivering in private, the message that, you know, look, I could sit here naming uh, European heads of government um, until the cows come home, but I won't. And if you are um, an opposition party, particularly if you are an opposition party on the left, what you've started to do is you've started to come under pressure from your own activists, yeah, and from you know uh, in countries with a large um, Muslim population, you've started to come under pressure from those voters in particular, as well as the kind of trendy left voters, two groups of voters who most left wing parties do okay, they don't need them to win, but they need them to get onto the the battlefield, essentially going. But look what's happened to the casualty count since. Look at this bombing we've seen since. Look at these, um, you know, look at the cutting off of energy and water. What are you going to do? And really what we're kind of seeing in the Commons is, one, you have some Labour backbenchers, some SNP backbenchers who are the kind of political manifestations of that trendy left bit going, look, what are you going to do? But you also have the electoral pull of um, some of those voters who the Labour Party does badly need, particularly, say, in the London mayoral election, which, bluntly, it looks like we have two candidates who are going to be reliant on their core vote. So that is solely going to be about base mobilisation. And then you have, on the other side, you essentially have, you know, Crispin Blunt as the last remaining representation, representative of the Conservative Party's uh, Arabist tendency. It was a very good uh, con home piece, actually, by Will Atkinson about the kind of fascinating historical vanishing of that political uh, force which used to be very strong in the Conservative Party. Um, But essentially what will happen uh, over the next weeks and months is that pull we're observing will get stronger and stronger. And if you are, particularly if you're Keir Starmer, someone who, according to all of the polls and all of the by-elections, looks like he's going to be the next Prime Minister, you want to be able to maintain the position that you know you would have to have if you were Prime Minister, which is, we hear you, we're with you, smaller, you know, smaller, quieter voice, please don't do the thing that you're planning to do and can you like maybe pull back a bit. You want to be able to show that you can hold that position 
But at the same time, you also don't want to create an electoral problem for yourself or an internal political problem for yourself. So that's what we're seeing. That's what was playing out today in the House. And that will be, yeah, that is, is going to be, from a British politics perspective, obviously there's a much more important story of this conflict, but from a British politics perspective, that's going to be the story of this conflict. And I think you can see Kirstam are worried about a potential backlash for a portion of his you know, target voters in the sense that LBC clip where he appears to suggest um, that, you know, stopping electricity and water in Gaza could be part of Israel's right to defend itself. A siege is appropriate? Cutting off power? Cutting off water? I think that Israel does have that right. It is an ongoing situation. Um, Obviously, everything should be done within international law, but I don't want to step away from the sort of core principles that Israel has a right to defend herself and Hamas bears responsibility for these terrorist acts. And I would call on all responsible states, particularly Middle East um, responsible states, to call this out for what it is um, and to stand with the world in condemning, utterly condemning, these actions by Hamas. Um, It's gone viral. You keep seeing it shared. When you speak to Labour politicians, they say, no, this is becoming a problem, particularly in Muslim communities. And that could, um, you know, mean that they pay a price. They do not look as though they're getting the balance right. And that is clearly a bigger problem for Keir Starmer and Labour than it is for Rishi Sunak. I think there is a question as to, you know, how many seats is it the case that if, you know, have a portion of these voters stay at home, suddenly Rishi Sunak triumphs. Um, but it does, I think, potentially point to issues later down the line. And there'll be some. I mean, I think actually speaking to Scottish MPs, I think Scottish Labour think they could be a bit more vulnerable, but only in probably two seats, just because the SNP have had such a clear line, which is much more pro-Palestine instead of calling for that ceasefire, something Stephen Flynn keeps pushing in the House of Commons. And therefore, there's perhaps a clearer place to go. Now, the Liberal Democrats have also had its politicians call for a ceasefire, but I think it is seen as more, you know, I think I don't see this. I think it's seen as probably more, perhaps clearer on the SNP front. And I think they could actually have only a very small number, but some votes go across. The interesting thing, right, is that where this stuff worries the Labour Party electorally is if we think about, you know, my hometown of Burn Bethnal Green, which, of course, in 2005, George Galloway won by bringing together that coalition of trendy left with the Muslim working class. And in Tower Hamlets, they're still living with the electoral consequences of that, right? A successor party to respect Tower Hamlets first still runs Tower Hamlets. Um Now, thus far, none of the councillors at time of recording, at least, who have left the Labour Party have left in areas where that electoral coalition is possible to construct. And thus far, none of no councillors have left in places like, say, uh, I'm I'm not going to try and make sure I get my Bolton seats right, because I always get them confused because the compass points don't actually align to the constituency names very well. But in the in the marginal Bolton seats, right, where actually the Labour Party does directly compete with the Conservatives at a local level um, for Muslim voters. It's one of the few places where the Conservative Party, because essentially the big picture sort of UK political change over the last 13 years, is in 2010 the Conservative Party was trying to improve its standing among ethnic minority voters of all kinds. And effectively, actually, what they've done, partly because they've realised that you can be more successful this way, They've, in some cases consciously, in some cases unconsciously, shrunk 
the pool of, of voters who they're trying to appeal to. And the other thing to bear in mind that will will spook uh, Labour strategists in terms of, you know, do you have like slightly lower turnout in one of the Bolton seats and you'd like there's a seat which you ought to gain on a uniform swing, which you shouldn't. Now, I agree with Katie that it is unlikely that this will make a significant difference to who ends up in Downing Street. But when you remember that Keir Starmer does have to make an awful lot of gains to get a majority of one, and even more to get a big enough majority, and if he wants to do planning reform or any of this big radical stuff, that is where the failure to enthuse all of his supporters might become a bit of a problem. But the other thing to bear in mind is... Look, there'll be a lot of chatter about the fact there'll be two elections next year in the US and the UK. But actually, the election that's going to happen next year, almost certainly before our general election, that is really going to matter, and I don't think enough people in the in UK politics have noticed, is the Indian general election. The Conservative Party has had an incredible amount of success at a local level by tapping into and essentially riding on the coattails of the BJP. You know, messages going around in WhatsApps, you know, don't vote for Labour, they're a Muslim party. And the Labour Party, and this is part of the... OK, obviously the biggest problem is what Keir Starmer said on, on LBC, but... The part of the important backstory here is there is a, I would say, justified feeling among quite a lot of um, you know Muslim voters that the Labour Party has very consciously tried to treat them as the embarrassing uncle, you know, uncle hide them in the cupboard, try and you know like just desperately try and claw back some of those British Hindu voters who have um, shifted quite decisively in some parts of the country to the Conservatives, and so you know. How what will be an acrimonious and, you know, bitterly contested Indian general election, how that plays out uh, and how, and what Labour politicians say and do. Remember that when Keir Starmer looked like he might lose the Batley and Spen election, the Labour Party, you know, effectively went for like, OK, let's, you know, in a case of emergency, break glass, essentially saying, well, look, our candidate would never would never meet with Modi. Um, now, you had some people in the Labour Party, including people who really have Keir Starmer's ear going, History is not going to look kindly on the Modi government. Yeah, it's eroding democracy, you know, you know, going down a really scary ethno-nationalist past, etc., etc. But you had other people saying, look, you can't have a situation where someone who wants to be the next prime minister is saying that he thinks that the leader of a key regional ally is not a fit and proper person. Well, they're already looking at things they've said on Trump. Exactly right. This is, this is I think, actually... And, and again, of course, Trump also punches that same bruise, right? Like, who is Trump going to be particularly offensive to? Well, all British voters, but particularly liberals and the ethnic minority working class. So everything you have to do and say if you're Keir Starmer and you want to be a serious candidate for prime minister is going to aggravate the same people than that remark he made on LBC is aggravated. Yeah, and I think also on that you've got to remember that specifically on Trump, David Lammy is someone who went to the protest saying there shouldn't be a state visit for Donald Trump, you know, spoke at it. Um, so to do that transition, which you're already seeing some mood music in to say, oh, well, now, you know, statesmanlike, it is tricky. Yeah, I think this is the thing. Is, it's important. And this is, I think, not to take away from the important way that geopolitics is going to be a big risk factor for the Labour Party in, in the next year. But the important thing to remember is that this Labour Party did not expect that it would be able to come back from 2019 in one term. And some of the positions that have been taken by some people around this, I think Keir Starmer himself believed it, you know, Keir Starmer would be saying things like, you know, I need to be, you know, 
Kinnock and Blair wrapped up into one. You know, I need to be Michael Howard and Cameron wrapped up into one. But I think other than Keir himself, I think most people in the Labour Party were like, mm, no, babe, I think you just need to be Neil Kinnock or Michael Howard. Um, and so there are a lot of positions that if you had told them, yeah, look, you will go into this election 20 points ahead, David Lammy would not have said that. Because, I mean, like, ultimately, like, yeah, you just... Sorry, if you're a mid-sized country, you, you can't have you, you just can't have a position that you like think that like the president of the United States shouldn't get a state visit. And I say that with the all the important caveats, and of course a Trump a Trump win would be hugely negative for European security. Like even just, you know, doesn't really matter if you think that he's like the best thing since sliced bread domestically. Uh, in terms of Europe's security and the Ukraine war, a Biden win is really bad news for Europe. But Everyone who wants to lead a European state is going to have to do the like. I am look. Yeah, they they might do a kind of coded Merkel style. Like I'm looking forward to voting, working with you on our historic ties of democracy, respect for the rule of law, yada yada yada. So kind of winking to domestic opinion. But they are not going to be able to say the things like David Lammy said at the start of this Parliament, um, and they certainly are not going to be able to say the things that they did about Modi in the middle of this Parliament. And that is going to upset quite a lot of voters, not voters who, Kate is exactly right, in terms of the party battle, these are voters who will essentially have a choice in Scotland of Labour and the SNP, Wales of Labour and Plaid Cymru, and in England of Labour or the SOFA. But as we, look, we saw last week how devastating losing voters to the SOFA can be on the Conservative side. Uh, and that will be the thing that worries Labour. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Katie. And thanks for listening.